Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. everyone to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host Kat and I'm really excited for the special guest that we have on today's episode. We have Jeff on the show today and he is going to share a very unique story for a lot of different reasons. So thanks for joining us today Jeff and welcome to the show. Thanks Kat. I'm excited to be here. Do you mind introducing yourself for the listeners kind of sharing what type of PA you are and those types of things? Yeah, so my name is Jeff. I am uh, a PA. I'm a relatively new PA. I just finished my first year of practice, and I work for uh, an orthopedic group and in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. And uh, I primarily practice in the non-operative spine world, but over the past year, I've dipped my toes into a lot of the orthopedic realm, everything from clinic to surgical assist to um, orthopedic urgent care to hospital rounding, uh, take some calls. So in just a very short period of time, uh, I think I've I've covered a lot of ground within that specialty. Very cool. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you've had quite the experience so far in just the little bit of time that you've been practicing as a PA, and I'm sure that it has kind of opened your eyes a little bit what parts of your specialty you enjoy versus other parts that may not be your favorite. But do you mind sharing what are some of your favorite parts about your specialty? Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. I definitely, uh, it's been a nice, uh, you know, kind of everything is a, a blessing and a curse. You know, you find those things that you really, really enjoy and you find those other things that you could definitely do without or if you never do them again, that's totally okay. And uh I think for me, I have found that, you know, my my place where I shine the most is really in the clinic. Um, I am very much a clinician, I guess, in that way. I, I enjoy being with patients on a one-to-one basis. I enjoy that that interaction for the most part. You know, surgery, I find fascinating and amazing just from the anatomy and the technical aspect of things. You know, the hospital's its own beast. Uh the the urgent care type stuff is is can be fun because you never know what is coming in and you're always learning something new. Um, but I guess you know personally, I'm very much uh, at least in my professional life, I I like structure a lot. I like to have kind of an idea of what I'm getting myself into. Um, so I think that's probably one big reason why I like the clinic so much. Uh, so you know. Surgery would probably be there behind it, um, but I don't necessarily enjoy what also comes with surgery, which is the hospital atmosphere and the rounding and the call and and all of that. That's uh, that's just not necessarily my favorite thing. Um, and again, same thing with the the urgent care. You know, it's got some great 
pieces to it. But if I have a kind of a set schedule that I can look ahead on, that's that's where I think I shine the most. Very cool. Yeah, I think that that's great that you're able to get all this experience as a new PA and kind of see which area within your specialty you're able to find your niche, so to speak. Absolutely. So Jeff and I actually met a couple of years ago, I would say maybe a few years ago, during one of his rotations. He had a rotation at one of my previous clinics with one of my former colleagues. And at that time, I heard his story. And I thought it was one of the most unique and interesting stories of becoming a PA that I've ever heard. So Jeff, do you mind sharing the journey that you had to become a PA and what made you ultimately decide to become a PA? Yeah, I've been, you know, thinking a lot about this and uh, this might be a three-parter, maybe your first. No, I'm just kidding. I'll keep it shorter than that. But sure. uh, yeah, it, it was pretty cool that just to kind of go back to what you were you were saying, you know, we met during my, it was my family practice rotation, which to be, to be honest with you, truly, uh, probably my favorite rotation that I had throughout PA um, school. Just, you know, the doctor that I was with, you know him quite well, was just phenomenal. He's so awesome. That whole clinic was amazing and just a, a truly unique place. I, I found. Um, so, and it was great to meet you. And I think I, sh- I shadowed and saw a few of your patients, you know, a few days and just a kind of a brief interaction. We see each other in the lunchroom and then, you know, nothing. And then uh, we got reconnected through this whole podcast thing and some other stuff uh, through our professional association. It was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, small world sort of deal. So totally. it just makes this whole thing so much cooler. But Yeah. So my story is, uh, I never really know where to go with it, how much to, to say or not say or whatever. So I guess, uh, basically long story short, you know, this is like my third slash fourth slash 15th career, (laughs) depending on how you count them. Uh, so my undergrad was, you know, I'm 38. So, you know, I've, I've had some time, uh, since college, my undergrad was in athletic training. Uh, I got into that in high school because I, I was a wrestler, not a great wrestler, but I was a wrestler and had some uh, shoulder issues that landed me in the athletic trainer's uh, room quite a bit and really got interested in kind of the sports medicine aspect of things. Uh, my high school was, um, you know, I guess in some ways privileged enough to have elective courses. And one of those was an anatomy course that I got to take in high school and just totally fell in love with the human body. And so, you know, that plus that equaled, well, that's what I'm going to do. So, Went to undergrad and did athletic training. And as I was going through that, I I realized towards the end that the typical athletic training path of, you know, at that time, especially working in a high school uh, was not necessarily what I was interested in. And I started looking for other options at that time and um, was, (laughs) which is kind of interesting, was really not interested in surgery and medicine and, you know, drugs, prescriptions, that kind of stuff. And so got connected with my, my grandma's chiropractor actually. And I shadowed him for a day or two and got my first adjustment and it was like, Oh, this seems cool. Uh, and I mean, it's, funny now thinking back that that's probably about as much as I honestly thought about it at the time. Uh, I was like, hey, I'm going to be a chiropractor. So I finished up undergrad, did a bunch of extra courses over the summer and went right into chiropractic school. 
and uh, worked as an athletic trainer during that time covering, you know, sporting events and tournaments and stuff on the weekends and did chiropractic school. So, you know, for, for those of you that don't know, it's a, it's much like PA school in a way that it's a, it's a full-time gig. It's all year round. It's uh, basically three and a half years uh, to get through it. So it was a good chunk of my life and um, got out of chiropractic school, went right into practice and was about six months into practice. And uh, I had what was the first of, I think, multiple, uh, what I like to call quarter life crises. Um, and just was like, oh my gosh, what, what did I get myself into? And, and I just want to preface this too, by saying that, like, I love chiropractic. I'm a chiropractic patient myself. I, I refer to chiropractors. I get referrals to chiropractors. So I don't want anyone to get the the wrong idea that way. But I think when you're, you know, 20 whatever years old 24 i don't know 26 and you've spent the last almost eight years in school non-stop and then you get out and all of a sudden real life hits you really hard in the face it makes you think and um so i ended up <laughs> within my first year of practice taking a uh, a two-week solo road trip uh, across the country and uh, I guess trying to find myself for the first of a few times. And sure. thankfully I have uh, an amazing wife who uh, was very supportive of that. I think, I think that was kind of my only option at that time, to be honest with you, looking back. And that really kind of gave me a different perspective on things. Uh, I came back, I ended up practicing chiropractic for about four years. Um, but by that time, I just realized that this is not the life that I thought it was going to be. It's not what I could see myself doing for the long term. And so, um, you know, I, I got out, uh, I, I quit practice. Um, and I did a bunch of other things for a handful of years. I did, I did uh, compliance consulting and teaching. I did, you know, HIPAA stuff. I mean, that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll bore you out of your mind real quick. Um, <laughs> I did teaching for one of the local universities here for anatomy and physiology. Um, I got real into nutrition and functional medicine and uh, actually thought that was the road I was going to go down. And I did a master's of uh, nutrition and functional medicine. Ironically, that's exactly what my wife practices. She's a she's a nurse practitioner. Um, and so kind of jokingly, I say that, you know, I got the piece of paper, but, you know, she got the education and does the work. Sure. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, that was that was a piece. Um, I did a whole bunch of random jobs, everything from uh, I mean, my brother, my brother has a brewery. So I was a beer tender for a while, which for someone who doesn't drink beer and is gluten free is also <laughs> rather ironic. Um I, I had a friend that we were trying to get a, a food company startup business going. I did some corporate um, health coaching for a little while. There's probably other things that I honestly don't even remember that I did for brief stints of time. Um, but a big part of that piece was was I, I had a blog and a podcast for a handful of years called uh, Intentional Wandering or Intentionally Wandering. Um, went through a couple of iterations. Um, sure. Good luck finding it. You might find it, but I, I think it's <laughs> it's off the internet. Um, but I did that and it was really focused around uh, minimalism and simple living and intentional living and interviews such as this. 
And then I, I got back into the medical world a handful of years ago as an athletic trainer again, actually. Um, I considered going back into chiropractic, but just didn't see any opportunities that, that looked interesting or that looked like they would be a good fit for me personally. And uh, then PA school, and now I'm here. And I, I'm sure I skipped some little details here and there. Um, there was another solo road trip in there somewhere for a month uh, across the country. And then there was another uh, road trip across the country to the East Coast, to the opposite side um, with my wife at one point, as we are, uh, we were both in between things at that time. There was a couple of stints living in my grandma's basement uh, as a married couple. So that's always interesting. Um, Multiple moves. So I guess without getting into a whole lot of detail, and I'm happy to answer any additional questions about all of that. Um, you know, that's 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 my journey over the past, well, uh, 18 to 38. So you do the math. <laughs> wow, that's that certainly is quite a story, Jeff. I really appreciate you going through those details and the background for the listeners. I think that it's really interesting and really cool that you were able to try all those different things and kind of try to figure out what you feel like is a good fit for you. Before we go a little bit further into why you chose the PA route, do you mind sharing what parts of those road trips in particular did you find helpful? You know, that sounds like you guys essentially you took kind of a sabbatical together when you guys both went, you know, took some time off. And I've had other guests on that have talked about sabbaticals and things like that. But what parts of those trips did you find appealing and then helpful throughout your process? Yeah, so I think that there's kind of three, they were three very different trips in a way. Uh, The first one, honestly, was I think out of desperation in a way. Uh, Like I said, I was mid-20s, newly married, uh, newly a chiropractor, newly graduated, newly everything. And just, I, I don't think that I honestly like, knew who I was anymore. You know, like I was just, I've, I've always been such a, like most of us probably listening to this podcast in in one way or or another, a very type A person, hard charging. You know, I, I literally went from like school to summer classes, to school, to graduation, to working. I mean, like there was, there was no time off. I didn't do that. I didn't allow myself that. Um, my wife reminds me that I apparently at some point my dad had had a conversation with me about taking a break between undergrad and chiropractic. And to this day, I have no recollection of that conversation at all. Um, and wonder, you know, looking back, I wonder how things may have been different had I listened. Um, sure. But, you know, that that first road trip was really honestly like me trying to figure out like who I am. And like, it was just scratching the surface of it at that time. But I think more than that was I was always the rule follower, like the quote unquote good kid. I didn't, I didn't do anything against what my parents told me or society told me or anything. Like, I mean, sometimes I would kind of act or look like I wasn't that person, but anybody who knew me knew that that was absolutely, you know, bogus. And so I think this was kind of one of my first big um, rebellions in a way. And I think it was also I had to prove to myself in some ways that I could 
I could do something that I never thought that I could do because I was always very strong. As far as I know, I mean, I I think I had some struggles early on in school, but for the most part, like I was always a very strong student. And so, you know, getting through college or chiropractic, and I don't mean this in like a braggy or prideful way or anything, but like that was never a question, truly. Like, you know, you say that, like, I'm never going to get through this, but like, I knew I was going to get through this. Um, but I always say like school is easy. Life is hard. I mean, that's been honestly my experience, sure. uh, you know, which is probably why I've gone to school four times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that, that whole road trip was like, I, I, I stayed in hotels by myself. I, I arranged different places to stay with family and friends. Um, I might have slept in my car one night or something like that. And so that was just a big piece to like prove that I could do something on my own different that nobody ever thought I would do. And I'd always had this like, you know, kind of interest in like the whole like road trip idea. I always liked driving. That was like my way to relax was I would just go drive. Like that was that was a thing. The second one was during my podcasting years, I guess we could call them. And so at that time I was pretty involved within like social media and within that, that little group of minimalism and simple living, et cetera. Um, and so that one was pretty cool because everywhere I stayed was either with someone that I had met online, but never met in person or family or uh, friends or family of friends and family. Um, I actually did a little bit of couch surfing for the first time ever. So I I think it was like couchsurfing.com. I'm guessing that still exists. I, I definitely slept in my car a few times on that one. I think I camped a little bit too for the first time, like solo, Um, and so both of these trips were, both of the trips I was talking about were a similar route, basically Minnesota down to like Nebraska across to the West coast over to California, up the coastal highway, Seattle and up into Vancouver area, and then back across kind of the upper part of the U S. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the trajectory. And that one I think was, similar to the first one, but, but adding into that, like just that next step of like staying with people I didn't know or that I'd only met online or like couch surfing. Like that was a really crazy idea to me or sleeping in my car camping alone. You know, it just kind of took that stuff to the next level. And I mean, I'm sure to some people it's like, yeah, what's the big deal? But like, that was huge. That was like, those were like defining moments for, for me in some ways. And then the third one was with my wife and we found ourselves basically both between jobs at the same time. Um, She had something set up and I was in between things. Our lease had just run out on our apartment and we were going to be getting another apartment. And we were looking at it and we like, hey, we have a month or so between basically when we both have to be back or to, you know, show up for something. And we looked at it and we thought, Hey, what if we just, we put our stuff, our stuff in storage, which by that point, and I know this is something we'll talk about. We had quote unquote become minimalists. Um, so we didn't have a whole lot of stuff and we, we, we put it in my sister's basement. I think everything we had basically fit in my sister's basement 
and we took off for a month and we went the other way. We went on the, on the East coast. And again, that was pretty cool because other than staying a couple of weeks at a cabin on the coast of Maine or Airbnb or whatever, we, we stayed with friends and family and a lot of people that I met online through the podcasting community. And again, that was just super cool. That was something totally unique and new to my wife. You know, she kind of was on the periphery of all that stuff. Uh, so I think that was of interest and, and unique to her. And it was just a really cool, it was, it was really eye opening to us to be like, wow, we actually, I think we, we tracked our expenses and I, I believe that we spent less money the way we did it traveling for a month across the country and back than if we would have done our usual expenses of rent and food and whatever else that we normally do. So I think that that was a big piece for both of us to realize that while we have made these changes in our lifestyle, that there's, there's other ways to do things and, and seeing different parts of the country. And uh, yeah, again, just very, very eye opening beyond our, our little section of Minnesota, which we both grew up in. And, uh, you know, we have since traveled outside the country a few times. We've hit most of the 50 states, but otherwise we've always lived in Minnesota, you know? And so I think, again, it was, as I know you've talked about on the podcast and as big in the fire community of like getting that different perspective of, of, of other areas of the world. Yeah. Awesome. That is one of the major things that I really do like about the financial independence community is just trying to have a different view and a different perspective about life in general. So I think that certainly you've lived your life that way with both your career options, but then hobbies and travel and things like that too. So I encourage all the listeners out there to definitely just try to consider maybe some of those perspectives that you have that are keeping you in a box and then try to push yourself out of your comfort zone occasionally, which can be hard for some of us, you know, somewhat type A people or, you know, the people that live life in the sense of what their parents expect from them or more introverted people like myself or things like that. But I really enjoy that aspect about the community too. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I I guess I would just say too, is like, keep, keep an open mind about uh, yourself too, because I mean, I am a much different person than I was when I was younger, which surprises me just as much as it surprises other people who haven't seen me in a long time or have a have a have a concept in their head of who I am or who I still am and and that I'm not that person anymore. And so I think I would just challenge people to take a look at at that piece as well. I mean, I was like I said the good kid, the homebody. I mean, I remember my mom saying that when I went away to college, which I was only like two hours from home, like door to door, she expected me, pretty much everybody expected that I was going to be home every single weekend. And I didn't come home until like the first holiday break. And that like blew everyone's mind. It blew my mind, honestly. And so I think just realizing that these concepts that we have of ourselves or that other people have of us, they're not set in stone. Uh, they can change, uh, but you know, it's gonna, it's gonna take some, some chances. It's gonna take some work. It's, 
uh, but be open to it. You never know where it's going to lead. I guess that's that whole idea of uh, intentionally wandering. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff, for sharing that. So what do you feel like were some of the reasons that you ultimately settled on the PA profession, at least in this phase of your life, so to speak, Jeff? Yeah, I do, I do joke with people. I'm like, well, I'm a PA now. Uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, my wife is, uh, you know, I think made threats to me if 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 I if I change my mind again. Sure. Uh, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I think, I think for me, a big piece of it was that when I got back into healthcare after kind of a hiatus, you know, you. You always think that the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And so you do other things, and you realize that there's, 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 there's stuff everywhere, for lack of a better word. Uh, I won't make you beep stuff out. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, so I appreciate that. I'll try that. to keep it. I'll try to keep it clean <laughs> since since I know how how annoying it is to edit po- uh, podcast audio. <laughs> sure. Uh, so there was this there was this book uh, years ago. I'm sure a lot of people have read it or at least seen the cover. It was by Mark Manson called "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank," and there's this sentence in there that he has that that we reference all the time, honestly. And it is, he says something to the effect of like, you know, everywhere you go, no matter what you do, there's gonna be a there there's gonna be a crap sandwich associated with it. You just have to decide what flavor crap sandwich you want to eat most frequently. Sure. And that's that's like a concept that has stuck with us a lot. And we reference like, do you still want to eat this crap sandwich, or you know, do you want a new crap sandwich? What do you what do you want to do? You know. Um, and so after my, you know, wandering away from healthcare and then wandering back, uh, I did find that I really enjoyed being in the orthopedic world. I really enjoyed being in the clinic setting and I really enjoyed for all of its faults. Um, I really enjoyed being in a larger organization, you know, in chiropractic for the most part, you're kind of you're kind of limited to owning your own practice or being in a small practice with maybe one or two other, you know, doctors or whatever. And again, pros and cons, but you know, personally, that's just, it's not, it's not a, it's not the place that I want to be. And so I think that was a big piece that, like I said before, I love chiropractic, uh, but I just couldn't see myself in any options that I had long-term. Um, you know, I say that if if there were ample positions in large healthcare organizations, sign me up. But I wasn't seeing those options, and unfortunately, after COVID, a lot of those options that did that were available for a handful of chiropractors have been eliminated. Unfortunately, you mm-hmm. know, which I th- I think is a shame. Yeah. Um. So I started looking at well, what what can I do? You know, and uh, again, I love athletic training as well. I, I think it's a phenomenal background. It's it's given me a lot in my life, um, but I just also saw the limitations of it. You know, and I saw that that there was I, I wanted to do something more. Again, it was good, um, but as you can probably tell by now. Um, I don't know if I get bored or what, but I, you know, I got to switch things up. And so I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And, and I even hesitate to share this part with people because I know how hard it is to get into PA school. And I know how, how much it, it is 
some people's like dreams since they're like 10 years old or whatever. And people who've been denied multiple times. And I just got to say like part luck and part everything that I did. Like I, I joked that like I had to go to college for 10 years to get into PA school basically. So, uh, my wife being an NP, she's a nurse practitioner. And, uh, she said, well, what about being a PA? I think a lot of what you're, what you've done would translate, you know? And so we looked into it and, and thankfully it did. And, um, you know, I, I applied to, again, I applied to one school and we just said from the get go, you know, we never went into it saying, this is what I'm doing. This is going to be the path. We said, this looks like a good option. And we're going to walk towards it. And if the door opens, we'll keep walking. And if the door opens, we'll keep walking. And if the door shuts, we'll look for a window and we'll see something else. So that was the perspective that we took. And the doors just kept opening. And uh, next thing you knew, I was, you know, in PA school and uh, was able to work as an athletic trainer during PA school, which was great. Cool. and then when I finished PA school, you know, I was one of those uh, COVID classes. You know, I got I got booted out of my last couple rotations because of COVID. They got shortened. I lost all of my elect my my two electives, including one uh, at the place where I now work. So I guess it worked out. Oh, interesting. Um, and you know, I graduated and worked as an athletic trainer while I was taking you know, the board exam and, and, uh, getting my license, et cetera, and then transitioned into, uh, my role as it is now. So, um, I don't think I actually answered your question now that I think of it. Sorry. Um, but I mean, that's, that's what led me to becoming a PA. I don't think it was any, for me, it was not like any one big grand idea. It was just, it was one little idea after another. And like I said, um, following those little uh those little nudges the intuition the your gut which has been something i've had to learn to do throughout my life um and realize that i actually am if i let myself i'm pretty in tune with that stuff uh but you know that's another another story for another day probably (laughs) (laughs) very cool well thank you so much for sharing that story and that background i think that it's again one of the most interesting stories of becoming a pa that i've ever heard so i really think that a lot of listeners will find it interesting too and let's shift gears a little bit and talk about when did you first learn about the concept of financial independence and what parts of financial independence are most appealing to you yeah, that's a that's a good question that I've been thinking about, and and I uh, I feel like I keep saying I don't have a good answer, but uh, I I don't remember honestly if I when I actually found out about you know quote unquote fire or fi the way that that I hear it talked about. But what I can say is that I think the minimalism and the simple living piece was like my gateway to that, and so I think probably what if people are really like deep into the fire community, that stuff, that's still relatively new. You know, you and I have had conversations off offline, I guess, as you say, um, about that stuff. And I've started reading some more books specifically around it. Um, simple path to wealth, of course. Sure. And, um, you know, so I'm from that perspective, I'm just getting into it, but the place that it started for me was, 
was 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 a married couple both with doctorate degrees living in my grandma's basement uh that's i believe where it started Uh, so i I mean that seems like a good place for it to start um you know basically it was i think it was around the time that i had uh, decided i was getting out of chiropractic um you know we weren't we weren't broke but we weren't rich you know wealthy whatever you want to say um we had tons of student loans, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, I, I, you know, both of us were still relatively early on in our careers, you know, making okay money, but definitely not what I think we thought we would be making at that time. And definitely wasn't going as far as we, I think a lot of us realize money goes, you know, you think you're going to graduate and you're going to have all this extra spending money and saving money and then you realize like where where is it you know by the time you pay you pay all the things and i think prior to that we 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 weren't like extravagant like we didn't really have well we we had credit card debt for a very brief period of time and it was a very small amount but you know we were kind of i guess to some extent living paycheck to paycheck and saving a little but you know it just it, it was like man this is this is if this is the way it's going to be long-term, this is not going to go well. And uh, so, you know, part of it was we had the opportunity to live at my grandma's basement, which we lived there when I was in chiropractic school. Um, my grandparents, of course, were aging. My my almost 100-year-old great-grandma was there as well. So we were doing wow. a little, you know, it was kind of like a little nursing home in a way. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I was a... My wife, my love, my wife loves to say like she's not a minimalist, but she's always been a minimalist. Like she doesn't identify with that with that uh, label. And I guess at this point in my life, I probably don't either. But it's probably the closest thing to how I live. Um, but prior to that, I would say in a lot of ways, I was a maximalist. Uh, like I was, I loved stuff. I loved collecting things. Like, I know you've talked about your husband and his toys, you know, which I think are like, those are like, uh, you know, like stuff with motors, I think, sure. kind of toys. Mm-hmm. My toys were like actual toys. Like I collected, <laughs> I collected action figures and uh, comic books and I had like 2000 DVDs and books. And I mean, like I was a collector. I was like, you know, the, the, the comic book geek before it was cool, I sure. guess. And so, you know, I I think I I think my low point was realizing like, okay, my career is not what I thought my career was going to be. I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm married. We're living in my grandma's basement and I have an entire storage room down here full of my stuff. Something is wrong. Sure. And I honestly, out of, I think, somewhat just pure again desperation survival whatever it is just started selling stuff just started like ebaying and going to the comic shop and just offloading my collections bit by bit to pay bills like legitimately you know like okay i have to figure out what i'm gonna do between now and the next thing and the funny thing was is that this stuff that was like my identity for so long that like that's what everyone associated me with 
just started like falling away. And like, I still love comics. I, I still read them a little bit. I still love, you know, movie. I, I love all this stuff still, but, but I don't have it, you know, and, and it doesn't control my life and it, and, and I do it in different ways, you know? And so I think that that was kind of my intro to realizing like, okay, I always thought that stuff made me happy, but I'm really not happy. And the more I got rid of it in a weird way, the happier I got. And I started to see again, like that, like I was saying earlier, like a flip in perspective and a flip in identity. I always, I literally would have, would say like, I would rather have all the stuff than, than like a vacation or, or an experience or whatever. I would, I would judge money on how many comic books I could buy with it. And my perspective completely flipped. And I was like, I want experiences. I want, I want other things than what I thought I wanted. And that's what kind of snowballed from there. Totally. Yeah. I completely agree that experiences are certainly more fun and more memorable. And it's not just you that gets to enjoy them most of the time, unless you're doing a solo road road trip, so to speak, but you're often enjoying the experiences with friends and family too. So I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that that led me into minimalism. I, I and again, I don't I don't fully recall how I stumbled across it. I was probably scrolling Twitter or maybe Instagram if that even existed at the time. I don't remember. I know I came across something on one of the social media platforms, and it was like, I think it was like um like the minimalist desktop. Like it was something really obscure. And I, and I just remember like looking at my desktop on my computer and it was just like cluttered with all these like folders and files and, and pictures and everything and being like, that's what my life feels like right now, you know? And I looked at this like minimalist, clean desktop of somebody and was like, that's what I want my life to look like. And I think I started just like most people do like Googling or searching and I came across, uh, which I'm sure people have heard of by now, but back then they were very obscure, um, The Minimalists. Uh, so theminimalist.com. I actually just looked at their website before I got on here. It looks exactly the same as it did back then. Um, they got a podcast. It's like 300 and some odd episodes. They've had two Netflix specials now. Uh, I actually just saw they're actually here in the Twin Cities tonight doing a, doing a, Q, doing a podcast or a Q&A. So you know, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I came across the minimalist and as well as, uh, Joshua Becker, his website is becoming minimalist and he's written a handful of books since then. And has uh, got a whole bunch of resources and just, uh, met him personally as well as I, I interviewed him as well as, uh, one of the minimalists, um, uh, before and just like super cool people. And, That was, I guess that was, again, one of my many gateways into all of this. I started reading their blogs and their books and and just started doing the thing and getting rid of stuff. And uh, thankfully, like I said, my wife, I guess, has always been a minimalist. She just didn't know it or didn't identify with it. And about that time, we were doing one of our our handful of moves we've done over our, our time together. And it was a perfect time. I think we cut down our belongings by about uh, probably 70 to 80% at that point. Wow. 
uh, down to, you know, whatever 20 to 30% was left over. And, uh, I don't think we've gone up a whole lot more from, from there. Um, but I mean, if you came over to our house, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, you guys don't have anything. You'd just be like, wow, it's a uh, very clean, very tidy, sure. orderly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we've, you know, touched on the concept of minimalism and you shared your story about it, but for those who aren't super familiar, do you feel as though minimalism is the concept of just trying to lower the amount of stuff you have in your life? Or are there other aspects about minimalism that you feel like are important to portray to the listeners if they're considering trying to pursue minimalism in their life a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I would say, I guess, from my experience with myself as well as others in the past that I think I think minimalism oftentimes, usually it seems like starts with stuff. Like that's the most obvious place, you know, but, uh, as the, the, the title that of the minimalist book that really, I guess, hit me so hard when I read it, it's called everything that remains. And so it's that concept of like, okay, fine. Yeah. You can, you can get rid of all of your stuff and you can be a quote unquote minimalist, but you still have everything else that remains and you know, that's, that's yourself. That's what's in your head. That's the people in your life. That's the, the, you know, your experiences, your past, your future. And so I think stuff is the place that most people start. I mean, another, you know, popular one over the years has been like Marie Kondo, the KonMari, you know, she's got her Netflix special as well. Again, amazing stuff, but it's only the beginning from there. It just, I think if you're if you really fall down the rabbit hole, you'll find that it it touches every aspect of your life. And that's where I think while I started with minimalism, I, I really came to more of the concept or the idea of intentional living and that so much of what we do, we don't even realize, we don't think about it's it's autopilot it's our culture it's how we were raised it's what we think we should do we do it because we're trying to impress someone or what we we think other people want us to do all those different things versus like no this is this is what i want from my life you know um when i introduce my you know when you get do the whole get to know you thing with with people you just meet you know it's always like oh you know married kids pets house blah 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 and i i, I honestly over the years just kind of get ahead of that and i'm like yep married no pets no kids no house and that either leads to a lot of questions or just a lot of blank stares and very short conversations so um you know again it's just like figuring out what you want out of life and realizing that what everybody else wants or thinks they want or has doesn't necessarily have to be what 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 it is for your life. So thank you for that perspective. I really appreciate you sharing about the intentional living. And I feel as though intentional living really plays well with the concept of financial independence because that encourages you to spend intentionally and have value-based spending. So spend money on the things that really bring you joy in life, and cut costs on those things that really don't bring you much joy. Besides intentional living, do you feel as though there are other concepts that play well between both minimalism and financial independence? Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on something really huge there, and it's something that I've, I, 
I definitely have heard a lot about within the financial independence community and, and even kind of struggle with, uh, my wife and I have had conversations about, and that's, this is not about, I, I don't want anyone to get the idea and it can easily become that. And I think it has at times for myself, at least that this is not about deprivation. Like this is not about deprivation. It's not, um, you know, for us, we're very much about quality over quantity. Now, you can do minimalism, you can do FI however you want, and you can live super cheap and on, you know, rice and beans and whatever it is, which I've heard people do. That's not going to work for my life. I'll just put it that way, uh, especially if I want to stay married. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good goal. I mean, I mean, you know, and we've been going on, I think we're like 14 years this, this year or something like that. So, you know, I mean, thank you. Um, but I think for, for us, we, we figured out the things that we care about and that we will spend money on and we will spend good money on it. And the things that we just honestly could care less. And we either will just not spend very much money on them, or we just period will not spend money on them. Um, so, you know, I guess I, I would say for us for a while, travel was huge since COVID, neither of us are really that interested in travel. We're just not, um, but we love Airbnbs. We love local getaways for a week. So we'll spend, you know, the joke is when people see where we rent our Airbnbs, they're like, well, how many people are going to be there? And we're like, just the two of us, that's it, (laughs) you know? So, okay, take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, food, obviously with like, uh, my background, I mean, food is, is huge. Like we, a huge portion of our monthly budget goes to food. Like that is where we will spend money, both, both at home, as well as we, we do enjoy going out to eat. Uh, I'm definitely a coffee snob. So like, I am going to drink really good coffee every single day. Like that was one of my goals at one point when I knew maybe this is a a little nugget or something, but like, as you're getting to where you want to be with your financial goals, like find those little, find those little things that it's like, I have arrived. Like I am here, you know? Um, I literally, I was telling my wife early before, I remember we were laying, we would, we were in my grandma's basement and I had a check you know, this is back in the secret days, which, you know, say what you will. But like I had a check written out to uh, to myself for $100,000 taped to the ceiling that I would look at every single night. And now whatever, 15 years later or something like that. I mean, we all know how much PAs make, right? Sure. That was not an overnight thing for me, you know, but like those little things, those little goals of getting there. I remember when we did, we realized like, Hey, I can buy the coffee that I want and drink it every single morning. And I don't think about it. Awesome. When we go out to eat, if we want to get a drink or we want to get an appetizer or we want to get a dessert, not saying we get that every time we don't think about it, you know, versus I remember the days where we only went out to eat because we had a coupon And because it was, and it was usually buy one, get one free or half off. And there were no drinks, there were no appetizers, there were no desserts. So I would say that's maybe one little thing as you're getting there is like, 
like find those little markers of like, I have arrived, I'm here and, and, and don't, I just would say, please don't deprive yourself of those little joys because especially nowadays, like, I don't know, life can suck sometimes. Let's just be real, you know? So, uh, that's another concept I've adopted this year. And I know I'm totally side tangenting if that's a word, but, uh, you know, I used to do the gratitude journal, which I think is good to some extent, but this year for me, it's all about this thing, uh, came from a poem, Uh, but it's all about daily delight. Like one thing a day that even if it's my cup of coffee or uh, this conversation or like at the end of the day, I can say no matter how crappy a day it was, there was at least one moment in my day that was like, it's a word we don't really use. It was delightful. Like it was delightful. So That's um, that's, I guess, maybe something. But I guess back to your question, if I can remember it, is, uh, you know, quality over quantity, I think is what I was trying to say in all of that. Yeah. Uh, Finding out what matters to you, spending on that, and then letting go of the rest, you know, figuring out what is important. And I would say the biggest, another huge, huge piece for us, and this should come as no shock because I know I've heard you preach about it too is, is a, is a monthly budget, like having your budget. And for me, that was, uh, there's a blogger. I I looked her, her website is still active. It's uh, Kate Flanders. It's Kate with a C C A I T. Um, but she's written a couple books. She did a book uh, a couple years ago. She did a, a, a book called year, the year of less, I believe. And, uh, her second book I think is, uh, something about adventures and opting out, which obviously is awesome. Um, but she did a whole year where basically outside of her essentials, she did not spend any additional money and dug herself out of debt and kind of inspired this whole idea of like a year without spending quote unquote. And so I think that's an interesting concept. If people want to, you know, try to get into this and want to like gamify it. There's that. Um, the minimalists also, as a as a thought, as I'm talking about this, they have a couple of different games that they do. One is you you pack up everything, and then over a month you unpack only the things that you use, and then you get rid of the rest. Pretty dramatic. Uh, there's sure. also the minimalist game where you get rid of. Uh, the number of items the day of the week. So, you know, first day of the month, one, two, three, and so on and so forth. Easy way to pare down, you know, could be very simple little things. But uh, back to Kate, she had a, a mindful budgeting, like physical paper planner that I bought from her um, years ago. She since, I think, doesn't do it anymore. And I think I bought out whatever remaining stock she had. And We've been doing that now for seven years, maybe. And we do our budget <laughs> every single week, every other week. Uh, we And I still do it on paper. I know there's possibly easier, better ways to do it now, but I love the paper. Uh, we do other stuff online and we just kind of balance it all. We have our categories and the goal every month is stick to the budget and Sometimes we're a little less, sometimes we're a little more, but overall we stick to the budget. And if nothing else, it just makes you mindful and you start to see those trends of like, oh, I'm spending a lot of money on this thing. 
do I really want to spend that much money on this? You know, the recurring, uh, the recurring payments that we all have that you forget about. Uh, it just makes you again, intentional about things. And, uh, I've heard it said by many people, something to the effect of, you know, if you, if you take a look at somebody's bank account, you'll see where their priorities are, regardless of what they tell you they are. And I think that's absolutely true. I mean, if you look at our budget, you'd be like, yep, uh, you guys like where you live and you like the food you eat and you like to go out to eat. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's great. I think there are so many wonderful pieces of advice in that. And I really liked that idea of the daily delight, so to speak, because like you said, there can be some interesting days where you're like, man, it's just kind of a rough day. But if you can try to dwell upon at least one thing that was wonderful in your day, I really like that. I'll have to remember Absolutely. that one for sure going yeah. forward. Yeah, I got my running list so far and it's uh, it's nice to write it down before bed. And, you know, no matter what kind of day you got, it's like, all right, yeah, well, it wasn't all bad. It was it wasn't all bad. Cool. And Again, you just listed so many amazing pieces of advice and awesome resources that I'll include in the show notes. But do you have any final pieces of advice for the listeners for current or future PAs that are trying to pursue financial independence? Oh, man. You know, I think I would just say, like, start simple. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest pieces that's gotten my way throughout my entire life is you, you know, you listen to a podcast, you read a book, you see someone give a talk, whatever it might be. And you get all jazzed and jacked up and you're excited and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to change my life. And then Tuesday happens. (laughs) And I don't know, like the, when I look back, yeah, there's been some like big life changing events, but if I'm if I'm truly honest of like why those things ever actually took place, it's because of all these tiny little things that just led there. And so I guess even to that point of like the daily delight or like I've heard it said about financial advice, like, you know, you can have all the craziest financial advice, but the people who, who understand FI realize that at the end of the day, it's really pretty simple. I mean, you spend more than, you know, you don't spend more than you make. Jeez, I almost screwed that up. But see, I guess it there is you hard. It, you, you know, you spend less than you make, you save a big chunk of it, and you don't touch it for a long period of time. Like, that's basically what it comes down to. Um, and so I think, you know, with with everything, I just feel like the world is just getting like faster and more complicated and more complex. And, and there's benefits to all of that. But that's the piece I keep coming back to is like, just simplify, simplify, get back to the basics, get back to like what makes us humans. You know, I got off, I'm I'm not on any socials. Like that's not a part of my life. I don't watch the news. Some people accuse me of living in a bubble or a hole, but that's just fine with me. I'm totally cool with it. Um, you know, get back to nature, get back to real food. I mean, all these little things, all the stuff we've heard, but if you try to do it all at once, like I've tried to in the past, you're probably going to fail. Just being honest, you're probably going to fail. So pick one thing, get it down, pick another thing, do it. Realize that most overnight success is 10 years or more. Uh, It all adds up. It's just, it's progress, not perfection. I don't know. I mean, like I'm giving you 50,000 answers to your one question and that's just the truth of it. That's, that's what I've learned over the years. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think there's a lot to be said about simplicity. I listen to Amy Porterfield's podcast and follow her website and things like that a little bit too. And she has a saying that goes, let it be easy. We try to complicate too many things when it comes to all sorts of things in life. So if you can just try to let it be easy, try to let it be simple one step at a time, I think that that is great to boil it down to. Absolutely. And and it's all easier said than done because I can preach to you all this stuff all day long and I still fail at it all the time. Sure. We're all works in progress, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. I know you mentioned you're not on social media at all. Do you have a way that if the listeners do have any questions for you or anything like that, that you would like them to reach out to you or you would rather hold off on that? Well, I think, you know, if someone is really that interested, they could probably piece together who I am based on little hints that I've left along the way. <laughs> um, you could probably hit me up on LinkedIn. I believe I'm still on there. Um, I'll see your message when I need a job. Who knows when that will be? Um, so I guess if there's, you know, if there's something that just really like hits you hard and is like, man, I, I, I you know, I really would like to, you know, reach out or something like that. I mean, I, I. I have talked to a lot of people that are interested in becoming a chiropractor, a PA, a different life path, whatever it is. Um, I guess if you're, if you're really, I'll put a challenge out there, you know, put a little roadblock to see how important it is to you. Um, reach out to Kat and, uh, she can send it over my way and, uh, we'll go, go from there. Sure. Totally. I'm happy to take any questions that people have for you and pass them along. Sounds good. Thanks. Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day, Jeff, for this wonderful conversation. I think that it was really cool to hear your story and about how you feel as though minimalism can pertain to financial independence. And I think that the listeners will have gotten a lot of value out of today's show. So thank you. Appreciate you having me on. I I hope they do as well. So and keep up the great work. Like I said, you know, I've learned a lot from your podcast and, and I love what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to just hearing more from you and continuing to learn. So thanks for what you do. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on. But more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.